And good afternoon, I think it is. Now, after spending a morning walk and then a cafe lunch with my good friend and chiropractor, Dr. Ashley Hall, who has worked at, at my practice before as well and filled in as a locum. And we thought we'd um, do a quick podcast and we're just try, we're trying to decide on what topic we'd talk about. But I thought a great topic to start with would be um, the fact that Ash teaches at the university uh, and has been involved with students for almost 10 years now in in helping uh, tutoring uh, with clinical studies. Uh, that's right, isn't it, Ash? Yep, that's right. Yep. So... Um, I thought we'd talk a little bit about that and just where Ash... Ash has always got something interesting to say, uh, always not short of an opinion, so I'll throw a few curveballs at him and see what he thinks about uh, chiropractic and where chiropractic's headed and what it's like now compared to sort of years ago. We've certainly worked in some different practices together, haven't we, too, mate? Yeah, when we, we have. When we are in England and London and uh, we've certainly seen a few... Uh, interesting things over the years so welcome to the podcast ash thank you this is a very impromptu request as well so there's absolutely no preparation <laughs> to this one so whatever you, answers come out will be uh will we, be um straight off the top of our head I we think. like it i like it like that because it's i i sent, i get a, a greater sense of realism when that's the case yeah. rather than something staged mm-hmm. so mate you've been teaching at the uni now for for sort of nine years with some um students of you know all sorts of age shape sizes i presume from different countries as well they, yep. they get kids from overseas to come and learn chiropractic in australia don't they yeah they do that's right yeah and it's norwegian students and um a lot of asian students from hong kong and taiwan and do they go back to that. their countries then and practice chiropractic yes. there yes they do yeah. yeah okay and so what are student numbers like like how many kids per year do you know how many kids per year now are doing Cairo compared to uh, Ma- we Macquarie uh, this cohort is about 100 uh, the year before that was about 85 but the prior years to that was up around the 140 mark there was a bit of um, there was a little bit of drama at Macquarie Uni uh, about the course continuing um, with a with a particular dean who was trying to um, fill the university courses with ones that could be used in the hospital that was associated with the university. So there was a bit of conjecture as to whether chiropractic was going to continue at Macquarie. So that reduced the numbers gotcha. for That's a couple I remember of years. Saying that, yeah. yeah, but the the numbers are now like the numbers for fourth year which go into final year next year, uh, again, around the 120, 130 mark. So the numbers so It took a little out. dive when there was a bit of instability about the course continuing, but that's um, all been sorted now and um, the numbers are jumping back up. So how many do you think, like, that's one institution. There's another institution in Melbourne, isn't there? Yep, there's yeah, there's MIT in Melbourne and uh, I don't know their numbers. And then there well, is, Let's just say there's the same amount. Yeah, right? so let's say there's a similar amount. And then there's um, Murdoch Uni in... Western Australia. They're doing Cairo uh, over there? Yeah, yeah. They've been doing that for a good, um, oh, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. So they've had a number of graduating years now. Um, and I think there's that smaller one through the University of Central Queensland or something like that, I think it is, um, which is up in Mackay. And I think there's a, there is a group doing chiropractic then, but I think that's only been a new year. So it's still a five-year course no matter where you do it. So their f- inaugural class might be in fourth year now. So they haven't had any graduates yet. 
How many chiros do you reckon are coming out of, and this is a guess, right, just best guess, how many chiropractors do you reckon are coming out of training into Australian sort of, in, into the Australian working place per year? How many new grads? Uh, As a hard guess. to say on numbers, but I pr- I'd probably say... That aren't going back overseas and all that sort of thing. Of of Do you mean of people, of Australian residents yeah 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 so i think the majority of overseas uh students who come here specifically to study chiropractic they mostly go back to their own countries um our domestic kids about 10 percent 15 percent maybe of those actually seek opportunities overseas for a period of time to travel and experience the world and live abroad um and then prob- so probably are, are around 80 percent stay locally and, so and let, that includes rural areas and let's say for around like numbers then you know 100 100 100 three different unis so it might be around 240 250 chiropractors seeking employment per year in in australia mm-hmm. Uh, which are big numbers, I think, really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for the profession itself of, of mm-hmm. the pop because how many, what proportion of the population do see chiropractors mm-hmm. regularly? We hopefully it's, it's much smaller than physiotherapy numbers. Oh god, there's yeah. over a thousand, well over a thousand new physiotherapy graduates each year. So we'd say maybe a quarter of that are chiropractors, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's representative, fifth, maybe. Yeah, fifth, maybe a fifth. Close, yeah. So, so maybe a, a, a um. But that's representative of the numbers of the population that see physios rather than chiropractors too, right? So a lot of lot more of the general population would seek physiotherapy treatment before chiropractic care. Well, I think I think physiotherapy is also delivered in hospitals, so that's a yeah, an yeah, avenue right. of employment for physiotherapists to seek out as opposed to private practice, where chiropractic um, students, chiropractors are all solely based in private practice. So. Mm. Um, what percentage of physios work in private practice, sports clinics, and that I don't know, but a number of them, are, you know, on um, have a, like a year to do in a in a hospital somewhere, um, and often outside of Sydney, um, at least for the Sydney range ones, you know, out in rural hospitals and stuff like that, and working with rehab patients and that in places like Nowra and Orange and stuff like that. So I would estimate, right, and I've got two things to say about that. First thing is that um, I think there's a high attrition, there's high attrition rate of physios and chiros. But last time I was told that after five years of people doing the course, um, 50% of people aren't doing the doing the job. So it means that if you finish the course. Um, in five years' time after completing the course, there's at least 50% of people that aren't... Have you heard that stat before? Aren't no. doing chiropractic. Yeah, I have heard that. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise you? Uh, yes. I wouldn't say that it's probably 50% that aren't doing chiro, but I'd say that there are a good 50% that are doing chiro in at least the first year or second year that are also doing a job that they were doing prior to graduating as a chiro. So let's say they were working, you know, on a front desk at a chiropractic clinic or they're, you know, um, working at a pub or they're So you're still doing they're still, doing, they're still, they're still doing, doing that, that as well as chiropractic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the first year or two. 
Yeah. Until such time as their you know patient base allows them to do it either full time or something like that. So I, I think that they're play, um, play with me, play my game for a minute, even if it's wrong. If fifty percent of people aren't doing it after five years, why do you reckon that is? Uh, I think probably just um, for those particular patients, the primary reason would be uh, lack of patient numbers. I would say. Um, I, I think that people, at least, and I'm involved with all final year students, so I see them right on the cusp where they're starting their career. Yeah. They're they're really quite excited to to start and doing what they do and helping people and earning money for doing it. Yeah. Um, but um, if their patient volume is such that they're not actually earning enough income, then they become disillusioned with the, with the profession. Um, they're not making enough money, so they seek um, opportunities to supplement their income or, or, or give Cairo away. I'd say that's the primary reason. I think, um, it, me personally, I think it's, um, I'm with you, but I, I think it's a um, tough gig in the early years too because mm-hmm. I don't think you totally know what you're doing and I don't know that, I guess one of the reasons why I asked that is I don't know that university prepares you well for those first or second or third or fourth or fifth years either and maybe some of what they're doing at uni doesn't help them in that regard as well, which has nothing to do with, with what you do because you're trying to help them because you're giving, I know what you do mm. with your clinical experience you try to give to the grads coming through. You know, you've, we've, we've had many conversations about it over the years of some, you know, most students coming through just to have, you know, some of them have never been to a chiropractor. You know, mm. and so they've done the course but never had any chiropractic care. You know, mm. don't understand what it means to live the life. They might choose it because it was a course they could get into and they saw the incomes for chiropractic and thought, oh, yeah, that'll be something that I could do. But to reach those levels of income, you've got to reach a certain level of expertise too, don't you, mm. to yeah. get there, you know? I think a lot of these graduates have have never actually had any they've been a full-time student pretty much since they were five years old. So they've done, you know, all their primary school, then they've done their high school, and then straight from high school they've gone into a five-year university course. So their their job title has always been full-time student. So there is a inevitable naivety when they graduate about what not only the chiropractic profession is, but I think just full-time work in general, you know. I, I think that... They, you know, there's a sort of thought that it's just going to be handed to them there on a platter, and they sort of start there. And, and you try to break that down, there, don't you? <laughs> well, you try to give a cold hard reality that that's just not the fact, and you're not trying to be negative, but you're just trying to prepare them to it because the impact of that is far worse if they're not got any idea of what is is most likely going to happen. And I know um, you're fully supportive, but I know at times you've been fairly tough on final year students to for that reality, haven't you? You know what I mean? Like when you mentor them, you, you want them to have their eyes wide open on how hard it can be to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's a sort of a tough love sort of uh, thing, you know. It's uh, it's it's not to um, throw cold water on things, but um, it, it's just to try and um, prepare them so it's not such a smack in the face when they're sitting around you know waiting you know on a six hour shift and they've seen two people and the phones rang um twice and then one of the two people actually cancels halfway through it you know (laughs) yeah so um that can for anyone be disheartening and, and and create disillusionment um 
But um, of course, it's not the same experience for every chiropractic student. Some have really positive um, transitions into um, into career, and and because you can be, I think there's a bit of a misnomer of students that they want to go and work for someone because that um, that that principal is going to mentor them, and and sometimes their principal isn't doesn't have the time to mentor them properly. They're, they're a chiropractor in their own right and they have to start to make decisions for themselves and, you know, people like me as a supervisor is not always going to be there for them um, when they make that transition from final year student into first year practice. So um, the, cur- the learning curve is very steep, um, but sometimes that some make that transition a bit better than than others, I suppose. That's interesting. What do you think then, um, for any of the students that might listen to this podcast, what do you think can help with that transition from a you know a not so successful year, first year or two to a? What are the common traits you see with kids who do well coming out of it? Uh, I think that they um, often have spent their final year going and observing other practices. Um, I think that's a, a, a big help. Um, to go or working see, in a clinic, or working yeah. in a clinic for sure, yeah. and just seeing the inner workings of a of, of a clinic, um, and seeing how different um, practice systems run. Um, some are, you know, you know, have have massage before before adjustments. Others are just straight cold adjusting. Um, other clinics, you know, I know your clinic does a lot of acupuncture in association with chiropractic. It's sort of multidisciplinary that way. So I think that um, not waiting until they actually uh, graduate, but actually going out while they're still a student, and it gives them a bit of an idea of, you know, in what direction they want to want to head. Um, I think that's a important thing. I'd say that certainly some of the overseas students do quite well because they've given up their whole life in the whole country to come out and study. Chiropractic, where so there's more time, passion, you think? Uh, I think more desire to do it from the start. I think sometimes our own domestic students got into chiro by their second or third choice. You okay. know, they maybe missed out on and courses that, might be that a they mistake, had as a then. preference. But by the time they get to me in fifty, they've already got four years of chiropractic under their belt in study, and they really enjoy it. So they might have got to that point by default. But they can't see themselves doing anything else by the time they get to 50. So they, they understand that they have the same skills that physiotherapists have. Um, they've got a lot of medical knowledge as well. So they're actually you know, really quite excited to be doing uh, chiropractic. Um, so I don't think it's that they suddenly lose um, faith in what chiropractic can do. I think it's more just almost a um, financial decision sometimes is that if they're not motivated enough or... Well, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I I had an associate with me who I thought was quite talented and she'd been through one or two jobs uh, prior to me and wasn't really happy in them, thought to come and work with me, but I I thought she was actually had a lot of ability and I think if she stuck at it, she would have been extraordinarily successful. I thought she was a really good chiropractor. But she quit. Um, chiropractic after two years um, because she got married and her husband was a maths teacher and so every time I could see her practice growing 
she would take time off to go on holidays with him. And it was much easier for her to go back and do a deep ed um, and become a maths teacher as well. And then both of them are maths teachers. Both of them get holidays together. Mm. And, you know, it was an easy out, you know what I mean? And so I saw the chiropractic as potentially, a, unfortunately, a bit of a waste of time for her because it just became a practical decision rather than a passionate decision, as you say, mm. like a, a monetary decision to, mm. to stop. So... Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. It mm. seems like there's a, you know, the the rubber meets the road. <laughs> the cold hard facts of life mean that you've got to survive. And mm. if you're not in a situation where you can make enough money as a chiropractor, you need mm. to look at other avenues. So I think it's tremendously sad, but I also think that it probably is a process of natural selection. Mm. I, I think the truth is that you could survey a number of different professions across many different oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. you know industries and there'd still be a dropout of graduates within a five-year period i think you know? ours is higher than most i do and uh, that's always sort of concerned me and after people doing you know, spending whatever it costs to get a chiro degree now you'd probably know better than me but you know do you know what it costs now after five years oh yeah it's expensive it's um i think fourth year and fifth year are like you know over thirty grand each. Yeah, we're, we're just four kilos we're doing the we're doing the podcast <laughs> in the car, and it's just gotten a really warm day. We had to get some air. We're about to pass out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if we if we drifted a little bit, that would be um, relative hypoxia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that was an urge. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what the statistics would be, but. Certainly, I'd say that, you know, across multiple professionals, lawyers, dentists, um, you know, accountants, there'd be a number of them that, that have dropout that just go, you know, this is just not not for me. Um, oh. And chiropractic certainly has its percentages. I think maybe um, you feel it more in chiropractic, though, because the overall graduates aren't as much, where there'd be more lawyers, there'd be more... So, percentage-wise... Um, per capita of how many graduates there are, there might be a bigger dropout. That would be. Oh, I, I see it as several factors. One of the things are that um, you know I've spoken with Andrew, you know Andrew Brown on the other podcasts about the amount, the patients the chiropractor should be treating compared to the ones we are treating, and um, we, we spoke about Andrew and I spoke about conspiracies against chiropractic and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if you listened to that podcast. It was kind of an interesting one. But it basically, if you look at it uh, for quite some time, if you look, and you've, to, you've told me this stat as well, that chiropractors, and I've looked up this stat, is if you look at, say, workers' compensation with chiropractic, and if, you go to, if you've got a bad back or bad neck you know, and you've injured it at work, um, if you look at the stats of chiropractic care compared to physiotherapy care, we actually get people better faster and it costs less on the system. But those, if you look at the percentages of how many people are seeing chiropractors for those problems compared to physios, uh, we're still in the vast minority of those cases. Mm. So I feel at times, um, once again, the GPs and the medical system probably haven't helped with the vast majority of mm. chiropractors in referrals as well. Yeah. And that's helped, that's limited the profession's expansion as well. So mm. I really feel that. So I feel that's had an impact on the profession. Oh, I think that's the, the primary reason because certainly the Macquarie Uni course is structured in a way that is very evidence-based, it's very pain-based, and while 
chiropractic is a lot more than that. The course at least, and, and you go through your whole career continually learning and learning about different techniques and different paradigms and different philosophies. And there's a lot of research base, isn't Yeah, there? you've got to have somewhere to start. And so um, uh, certainly the course that I'm affiliated with uh, tries to have patients, grad, students graduate as 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 a back specialist, as a spinal specialist. And so, unfortunately, doctors don't see chiropractors as professionals who specialise in spinal health care. Their, their what do you think they perceive is, it as? I think they... Um, Not that you can talk for them, but what's your guess I, on I, I think their concern is, is, is their the misnomer that manipulation is dangerous. Um, yeah. I, I think that's their biggest fear. Um, and um, Which we've spoken about ad nauseum. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. that's right. And, all that, and, and that's what sort of holds them back from that, you know. And uh, they don't actually... There's, there's just as much uh, risk involved with um, prolonged, you know, taking of certain medications and side effects of medications. Or even exercises. And, yeah, and, 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 and the risks associated with, with chiropractic treatment, you know, certainly don't outweigh those of their own profession. So I think that they just sometimes get the goggles on a little bit, well, that's too risky, let's not refer to that. But they know that. They know that but now, mate. Most, most GPs and doctors know that, I reckon they know that chiropractic is, is relatively safe compared to any other form of therapy. I think it, they, they know that. And I still think um, it's, it goes beyond that. And I think it's attitude and perception based. It's been there a long time. And just, you know, trying to... We just haven't seen as a, as a profession been able to break down those barriers as much as what we've liked. I wish we could have done it more effectively. Yeah. But the route we've taken, you and I would both agree, hasn't worked real well up to this point. Mm-hmm. I think once someone, an individual doctor, makes a, a bit of a um, arbitrary decision, they just don't look outside of that really a little bit. And 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 it is definitely for chiropractors, it's more of an an uphill uh, battle for medical referrals um, for back pain because there's still a huge amount of percentage of of patients that see um, doctors for 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 spinal care that's that's for for spinal problems that are in immediately in a chiropractor's wheelhouse and they end up on these um you know anti-inflammatory medications and maybe a referral to a physio and it just prolongs a condition where a, you know a, a straight referral from a from a chiropractor could really um not only solidify that relationship between those two health professions um but um really just improve a patient outcome so much quicker and that's ultimately what it's all about i mean that's what what we're in the in the healthcare sphere for is to you know minimize pain and suffering for for patients and reduce you know and improve premature health. degeneration and yeah. improve health of course yeah. but it's got to start somewhere i mean you yeah, i agree it, yeah. it's no doubt the symptoms uh, is what brings someone in the door in the first place so i think for me that's the biggest thing because someone like you or i who've got plenty of experience we get referrals from patients who know you trust you and they will then refer on new yeah. patients including you know? my own gp like she she um she refers patients to me all the time but she even she even says to me that it's not just the doctors that have apprehensions about chiropractors that in the beginning it's it's patients themselves and she she says she has to really sell me 
you're to good, the patient. You're one of the good at ones. Times, you know, yeah. And say, look, I go and see him. I trust him. Um, I get adjusted by him regularly, and that endorsement coming from a, a doctor is, is really invaluable. That's but, huge. Yeah. But even she says to me that she gets surprised how much she has to sort of, you know, earn that uh, their own patient's trust to see a chiropractor because at times they have their own um, reservations as well. Yeah, so I just think that you and I have spoken about this in the past. So I guess to, to round that all up, like what we do, the way for the profession to to make it easier and to be more successful would be to get more referrals from medical practitioners when you first graduate. I think that would be a huge help to most fledgling chiropractors. Um, and that's where I'd be working if I was a, um, a new grad, you know, and I'm working hard to try to establish relationship with doctors. So mm. you could do that. But it's proved an uphill battle for some people more than others. Yeah, you know. It would definitely help individual chiros. I think the profession as a whole would benefit as well from some of our, um, you know, uh, regulatory bodies, you know, Chiropractors Association of Australia and COCA and, and even to some extent APRA, um, who's the Australian Health Professionals Registry Association, of, of trying to, um, you know, I suppose, not so much mend bridges because there's not like there are broken bridges or anything, but just you know, have chiropractors at the forefront of your mind when a patient comes in, you know, to a, to a, a medical practice with a spinal-related problem. Yeah, just, and, and I don't mean just, of course, chiropractic is not just about spinal-related problems. We, we can treat many different conditions, but there's, there's no doubt that that is where the majority of our training is and therefore um, the, the, you know, large percentage of our patients on a daily basis you know, have have come to us with spinal related issues. So, you know, that's where we belong in the in the healthcare um, very competitive market. Yeah, I I, I think we're politically weak. I, I think chiropractic has been politically weak for quite some time. I think it's politically weaker now than what it was um, fifteen years ago when you know twenty five mm. years ago. There were some really savvy guys involved back then. They did some great things with the New South Wales state government. I know that. Um, they really were pushing hard to get chiropractic mm. in the place where it belonged, and it just seems to have fallen apart, really. Well, what, like any organisation, if it's if it's not so good at the top, then it, the ripple effect right down the bottom to the, you know, front line um, becomes um, you know quite weak as well. So you know, if the if our own governing regulatory body isn't out there, and I mean they're all trying their best and they do it hard, and it's not an easy job they have to do. But sometimes I think that their um, campaigns are, uh, their efforts are ill-directed. Um, Give me an example of that. What have you noticed of there? What, what do you mean by that? Uh, I, I think so. In in the past, they've sort of tried to quash, you know, people's fears of uh, some of the more catastrophic events. Uh, that's of, something you feel strongly about yeah, yeah I, 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 I think that chiropractic is always a profession that's defending itself yeah. rather than trumping its successes and what, what's great for it it's like we almost need to always hose out the fires um, before we can actually get people to uh, to look at the the benefits it's like having a you know, a fire on one side and then a beautiful garden on the other side and you're always looking at the fire. Um, 
you know, you want people looking at the at, at the garden. That's human it's, nature, uh, but right. Of course it is, but um, chiropractic does it too much. It's like it's we we understand the risks. We're very well trained in the risks. Um, any any significant catastrophic event that happens in chiropractic, and they're an absolute bare minimum worldwide. I mean, chiropractic is not an Australian profession. It's it's a profession that's done, you know, all over the world. And there, there may be only a handful of incidents per year. And that is then published to other chiropractors so that we can learn potentially from what's done. It's no different to, you know, plane crashes with pilots. If a, if a plane goes down, every pilot in the world learns about what happened, what led up to it, so that if a similar event happened, they could, could learn from that. So that's always done. If we're always just talking about that, people forget the fact that we can actually help with a with a plethora of conditions um and and if you focus too much on what could go wrong you don't spend enough time on what 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 can more likely happen which is things go right (laughs) yeah i like it and it's very true although yeah maybe that's where they should be marketing more then do you know what i mean like so you know and, and and out of late other things like you know they had a a great sort of campaign with you know just just get up and walk just a walking campaign you say you know and 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 it was encouraging movement and and activity and muscle tone and 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 how that can be supported through chiropractic care and 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 you know that that was where that was that was a better direction um to to go in than um you know sort of you're in safe hands with a chiropractor yeah 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 that, these these that's which is which is right which that that's that to me is better um than thinking that we have to always be defending ourselves you know I I, I, I I don't I think we've done that to death you know we've, we, we did that 40 50 like years it. ago we do it now and if we continue to do I that like 40 it. 50 years because it's been now, proactive it's go... isn't it you know and it's it's not being reactive it's being proactive you know yeah. and it's it's yeah. about you know I, I when well, it encourages I, when... encourages pulling other professions down as well you know the risks that are with medication but there's a lot of people who benefit from medication as well um you know if you if you have a common cold you don't need antibiotics but if you have pneumonia you got to go on antibiotics yeah it's as simple as that so you know if you start getting attacked a little bit by other professions you tend to attack back so it's not like I, you to be I, like I just that. well it's just what, what, what happened no no not at all no passive i much prefer passive aggressive sort of attack But what do you what do you love about your job? What what do you love about being a chiropractor? Oh, I love the ability to help people. Um, you know, in any in any way. Sometimes it's with an adjustment. Sometimes just letting them tell their story of how pain's affecting their life. Um, you know, and you know that's just an innate want to help a different range of people and, and meeting so many different people and and you gen when you come in with someone who can hardly walk or they're you know been having a condition that's gone on for years and and suddenly you know in a you know relative short period of time you can give them hope and give them um you know some relief you know to see that appreciation um from them is 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 a great i mean who, who wouldn't like that yeah right? i agree it's, um, that's yeah. definitely the the, the, the best part of the job and it and it's you know every every problem's different so you know it's very it's a very cognitive job you've got to use your brain and what might work on one person is not necessarily going to work on on another person so 
you're always thinking, you're always trying to solve a solve a puzzle. I like that part of it too. Yeah. Um, what's the toughest part about being a chiropractor? Um, I think um, I, I think probably maintaining uh, the the business side of things. I would say is uh, uh, is what I find the toughest is is you know having um, at times inconsistency in patient numbers. Mm. I think um, sometimes you know things go along quite well, and then there's you know a, a, a you know a gap in um, in 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 the major amount of patient visits that you have, and so that can be uh, wear on you a little bit when you've got mortgages to pay and and children's mouths to feed. And don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining, but uh, that that's probably a, a, a stress that um, I think that, that would be a stress that, of that most has. chiropractors. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would and, say that'd be the worst part of the profession and I think also maybe because um, it's very I don't, I don't like the alternative tag for chiropractic I, I like went that. to five years for university and to and, and I just don't like the term alternative therapies at all I mean alternative to what what's the you know alternative to medicine alternative to physiotherapy what what we're not alternative to anything. We're, we're a chiropractic it's profession, and that's yeah. just what it is. Well, there are, there are but doctors and there are But there are a lot of chiros who don't do stuff that's science-based, right? But so. I don't think they needed to have a, a, a tag of um, alternative. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I don't like the title either. Mm. But I think the title, in some ways, is kind of demeaning. Exactly, yeah. E- yeah. Even even allied health is a, is a somewhat you know, secondary term. You know, I, I don't think that it's um, it 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 um, that it recognises the profession on an even playing field. It's always um, you know alternative or um, uh, supportive to something else. Yeah, and that 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 those terms I don't like to use. Um, it might work well with for a, a, a terminology for health insurance companies and stuff like that. But I don't think that that's how we should see ourselves um, in the, you know, I, I, I try to instill in the students, you know, don't ever be embarrassed to call yourself a chiropractor, you know. Don't ever think that it's, um, that people are looking at you and say, oh, you mustn't have got into medicine or you mustn't have got into physiotherapy, you know. I think that there are some students that definitely graduate with that mentality and they're almost a little bit, um, I don't know, embarrassed to call themselves that. You know, well, I'll no, snap out no of that real that. quick. Yeah, be, be proud of what, 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 what you do. Um, funniest thing you've ever seen as a chiropractor? Wow. I could mention funniest one thing. of the funniest things I saw involving you taking an x-ray of a bloke once down at the Summer Hill <sighs> Clinic. Yeah. Who was he took? Uh, he took a fancy. Let's to say you. he wasn't dressed appropriately to. Uh, and get something a, uh, happened, didn't it? Or something yeah. surprising. Well, that, that was happened. back in the days where you didn't have digital imaging, and yet you used to go into like the old, photo, you know, photographic booths, and with a red light, and you couldn't open the door because you'd overexpose the thing, and it was right outside the radiology clinic. And but basically, this, this gentleman was wearing uh, the underwear that probably revealed a little bit too much. Neither right? of us would be wearing. Put it that way. <laughs> 
and it was a little hard to. Uh, he took a fancy. And being, an, to, being an asthmatic, he took a fancy to young asthma. But being an asthmatic, I get the asthma laugh on, so I can't suppress my laughter very well. It's, uh, but let's just say it was, be, that was that was that was, that was an, an awkward moment. What what else an was there, funny wise? Um, I think it, rather than funny. This is funny people. We treat a lot of funny people who are quite characters, and um, you know that's. There's, there's there's a number of those stories. There was a guy. There was a place we lived in uh, when we were working over in in England. A place called Southgate. When you and I were working there with the three tap situation, which I've explained before, mm. the three tap situation. Yeah. When we ever had a hairy situation, we'd be turning the taps on and off three times. Well, we knew uh, we'd we'd have to say, "What'd you put the the tap on when we when we go to dinner after that?" Yeah, what, it was what, always what, a story. What happened there? You yeah, knew there was, was something. Story. And then you look forward to that sort of uh, after work. You go, you know, be yeah, what was that interaction? Sort of a, yeah. Some, but there was a guy we lived with, wasn't there? You're still in touch with him on Facebook and that. A guy called John Francis, wasn't he? This guy mm. was half lunatic, wasn't he? As he was. At one <laughs> little point, big man syndrome. We loved you know, him. A small little boat with a big, yeah. big, uh, big personality. Yeah, we loved him, and he mm. was a very interesting kettle of fish. But he um, he saw UFOs at one point, didn't he? That was an oh. interesting. <laughs> He was in the local papers for seeing UFOs. So was, oh. I know. I know. He had a, a dog named Missy. That um, being an asthmatic, every time I'd spray my Ventolin, it'd go absolutely burka. <laughs> it would. Uh, it would chase oh, its tail Missy. around. That and probably stuff like happened that. because I like, when I was living there, I was had lasers out. <laughs> anyway, there were there were there were planes coming down in the Midlands. I think. You know, yeah. <laughs> It was very funny, and you. I told it another story about your. Um, you, you loved Wimpy. Over yes, there. Wimpy I'm the, Burger. I'm the, I'm the Wimpy King. Yeah, there was, was three Wimpy burgers, bars. Yeah. Burgers Something that in. mayonnaise that is just uh, fantastic. You'd re- you'd really go back there just for those burgers, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. You'd pretty much fly halfway around the world to get a Wimpy Burger. Well, when I came to visit, when I was living up in the Midlands, and I come to visit you in London. Um, <clears throat> It would take me several stations just to find a, a Wimpy centre, whereas in Stafford, the small little county town I lived in, had four separate Wimpy uh, because it was all owned by one family. It's created a monster. And so, I mean, if... Uh, if so why uh, are you were so thin? If I ever get... Re- it, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't it. stay thin for long. <laughs> I, I, well, I, the- I struggled to put on weight for 10 years, and then in 18, 18 months, I put on about 6 kilos, which for me would be the equivalent of, uh, you know, 15 for anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, Guinness had a bit to do with that. Guinness, well, and for me, it was the puddings in the pubs. Oh, weren't they vicious, mate? There was yeah, all these weird... Yorkshire, Yorkshire puddings spotted and stuff dick. like that, you know? Yeah, all mm. this weird weird naming stuff that I thought mm. oh, I'll give that a try it was amazing but chiropractic when I was in the UK dairy. was good chiropractic in the UK was, was really good you got they accepted big... us more over there I thought well there weren't as many and uh, I think that um, I, I don't think it's acceptance so much I think there's just no, the GPs. less of them, a larger I got population. more medical referrals than that they treated us with more respect mm. over there I thought I thought the NHS in its opinion of chiropractors was um, was far more supportive well, I lived, I lived in a town that had a big um, athletics community and uh, a gr- the great uh, British sprinter, Lingford Christie, was from that area and so he had an athletics academy up there. So there's a lot of um, people come to the clinic who, who did athletics, long distance, short distance. And great athletes, but they need to swallow, you know, some cement at times because they'd have this little niggle somewhere just down the side of their leg 
and they think they'd need to be out for a month. Mm. Whereas it was a very minor problem, and uh, but they need such confidence in their bodies. They're like thoroughbreds. If they have, feel a little niggle somewhere, they shut everything down. Where it's like, well, you know, you're pushing your body pretty hard. It's it's nothing too serious. Um, we've checked it. It's going to be okay. But um, they needed a lot of reassuring. I would say yeah. the athletics community. So I, I remember back there when I was with you in Stafford. I met a very interesting. Um, uh, homeopath that had some very interesting things to say about me that we still laugh about yeah. today. <laughs> and I was also... Tra- Ashley's cracking up as we're talking about oh, that. Yeah. And I also remember treating uh, Simply Red's grandmother who I sent... To, and I loved her. She was a cracker. I sent her <laughs> to a hypnotherapist to try to get... Because she couldn't sleep and she was so strung out. I said, why don't you try a bit of hypnotherapy? There's a, bit of hypno, there's a hypnotherapist at this centre. I'll never forget it. She came back and said, that was the worst money I've ever spent. Why did you send me to that woman? She was a fruitcake. Oh, well, I, well, I saw her because I wasn't sleeping very well for a period of time. And she gave me this tiny... She, she put her hand out and there was this tiny little speck of a tablet in her hand. And she goes, I want you to take this. I said, what's that? She said, it's opium. <laughs> right. And I went, what? And she said, well, it's an upper. And what I want you to do is take it and then it will keep you up all night. But then the next night it'll break the cycle and, um, and you'll um, sleep like... Because homeopaths treat like with like, right? So rather than give you something to make you sleep, they do the opposite to make you stay awake. And... Um, so that certainly worked, and then did it, it keep you worked. No, it actually worked. It did, it did keep me awake, um, and patients were coming in and sort of saying, "Are you all right?" Like they were asking if I was all right because I was all dark under the eyes. <laughs> it was the middle of winter in Europe, and for uh, you know, for for an Aussie boy uh, used to the sun and beaches, you don't handle all the of us, mate. Well. All of mm. us fell a little bit down in winter time over mm. there. I yeah. certainly did. I, I was getting seasonal. The, bloody depressing so it was so grey mm. it was really hard but mm. mount that on top of living in London where you know it's I'll never forget a, a polarising experience I had in London was when I went to ask for a train ticket you know for the first time at my local station when I was living in London I said oh go mate uh, just an all day travel pass to London the guy didn't even acknowledge my presence looked straight ahead like I wasn't even there got the ticket completely expressionless and just flicked it under the glass straight at me it was like, wow, this next level here, next level rudeness. I can, so, I can yeah. still remember uh, uh, you giving a rocket to a bloke that sold you a bit of a lemon of a car and he was, oh, he was so frightened yeah. that uh, he drove in... two and a half hours down to give you a, a jag to drive for a couple, couple of weeks so yeah. you didn't come up to Stafford that looking wasn't for that, him. It wasn't that great. He sold me a car. I said, I don't want anything fancy. I just want something reliable. Mm. Within two months, it would blown a head gasket. <laughs> pretty safe. Pretty trustworthy guy. And I'm pretty sure he was stealing him from Ireland to bring him back. And, and, then, you, and then you'd returned back to um, England a little earlier than me. And so I was there... Trying, trying to, to sell, sell your it. car, yeah. and a bloke come round to uh, buy it, and it had been sitting there in the cold winter for two and a half weeks, and uh, the car wouldn't start, and he and he uh, stood in a massive pile of fresh dog poop. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't make the sale on that one, did we? Didn't we make the sale. So I think we sold it for a, scrap. Yeah, with a with a shoe full of dog poo and a car that wouldn't start. Yeah. So. <laughs> He was not. He was not impressed. <laughs> yeah, stuff. All right, mate. Great talking to you. Thanks for spending time with me. You'll have to come back on the podcast again. We'll talk about. We'll, we'll talk about some other issues in the future. But like, it's great to get your input on, sort of, 
the students and where chiropractic's at at its grassroots levels. And maybe, who knows, as we get older, we can start to give back to the profession a little bit more. I'd like to do that. Um, you know, and, and if we can help out to make the per- perceptions of the profession improve, it's something I would love to do. It's one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast. It doesn't matter if it's one person listening to it or a thousand. If it breaks down some barriers of, of you know, I, I think what's truth, you know, we, you and I are all up, we're, we're very real people, we just want what's what's fair and what's right and what's true out there, right, and break down those misconceptions. Well, it's just imparting a bit of knowledge uh, that you've gained over 20 years to other people, so, you know, they might get it a bit earlier than what, than what we did. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. See you, buddy. See ya. Bye.